Right, we're recording. Mick Cartwright. Mick Cartwright, who does not yet have a um, have a screen name yet. Mick Cartwright in the H Hour Studio of 183. Welcome. Thank you. Uh, thank you for travelling from sunny Colchester. Beautiful Colchester. Was it cold this morning? It was fucking cold yeah, this morning. It was morning. freezing when I got up, yeah. That's why I only wore a T-shirt. <laughs> Lucky the uh, heating's so good in this studio right now. Yeah. <laughs> Balmy. <laughs> freezing this morning. <laughs> freezing this morning. Um, would you consider a screen name? No. Why not? I think Michael Oden Cartwright is good enough. Did you did you choose Odin yourself? Your middle no, name? no, I didn't. But if I was to choose a name, I would have chosen that one. So, so who named your dad? Named my Odin. dad was uh, Viking, I thought, yeah, Viking nut. So yeah, no he, way. he loved all of that. Yeah, I thought Odin was just something you put on Facebook as your middle name just for a laugh. No, no, it's not. Odin's actually. A I should have brought my passport. That is good. It? it should just be Michael Odin. <laughs> Michael Odin, yeah. That is, that is my username on a lot go. of things. Is it? There you go, Michael Odin. Okay. Yeah, mega. My granddad, his, his, he's in the TV and film industry, and his birth name was Buggy. Buggy? Yeah, so I should have been Hugh Buggy. But he changed <laughs> it before, obviously, before, um, I think before my dad was born, he changed his surname to Kia, which I'm grateful for. Yeah. Hugh Buggy. I don't think my daughters would have appreciated being called... Uh, <laughs> The buggies either. Yeah. When did you decide to get into into TV and film? How did you, in fact, how did you find out about it? Because um, you got out, you got out te- over 10 years ago, right? I got out in 2008. Okay, yeah. So when did you foray into TV and film? Well, I started doing, I did sort of CP work for, what, four or five years. And it's basically a continuation of the military, so... You know, I was, it was fine, no issues. And then I joined Network Rail, and it was so boring. And I just started looking for other things to do. You know, just I hated it. I still hate it now. I only work there weekends, but uh, I just wanted to do something out there. I always loved TV and film. It's always been a bit of a an escape. So yeah, I was like, I was suffering with mental health issues. Like, it was, didn't want to go out, didn't want to do fuck all, you know, didn't want to be around people. And I just forced myself to go to, I started researching it and I thought, right, ex-military, all that sort of stuff. And I found a company called Services to Film and I, you know, I just signed up to them. And when they had a job come through, I actually turned the first one down because I thought, oh, you know, it's going to London, loads of people on the tube, you know, I fucking hate it. <laughs> And honestly, this is how I was, and this is this is how it's changed me quite a lot. So you know, I'm fluttering about everywhere now. I just lost that confidence around people, and you know, I just I started doing this. First day on set was massive. You know, there was about a hundred people. What was the production? It was the Great. The Great. It's got uh, Nick Holt and L. Fanning in it. Okay. And I was in a scene with them first day and I was featured so I was pulling out uh, an actor from a fire and dragging him you know and it was it was crazy yeah dialogue with the director as well first day on set and that was just from then on I was hooked I loved it thought it was brilliant shit money great time yeah I suppose it's shit depending on like how far you're traveling and because I know services of film and and they they do uh, saying you've got Dickie Tran come on soon yeah, and so they, they, I didn't know, but 
and, and you know this well now, the like the FAA rates, there's like standard rates everyone pays across the board. I yeah. don't I don't think it's that shit. I, it's all relative, right? I mean yeah, I actually, remember when, when I was doing this stuff last year I bumped into you on, on set and I mean, COVID was a bit of a gift. Yeah. For people, I think. It, yeah. For money wise. Because you go and like you'd have, you'd have to go and get a test before the day before, the day before the production. Some productions two or three days before every day. Yeah, I was yeah, doing that's that. Yeah, right. Yeah, get a test and you get paid every time. Yeah, for, that, for just having a test and it was like decent. how much were you getting paid? Oh, I can't remember. Yeah, well, when it first came out, I was going to like Pinewood Studios or something. This is when it first kicked off. I was getting 150 quid a day just for a COVID test. No. Yeah, and it obviously it started to, to whittle down when, <laughs> when they realised that. That's a bit much. 150 quid a day oh just for God. a... It was a, a two-hour drive, two-and-a-half-hour drive there and back. So four hours, 10-minute turnaround when you get there. It was, it was fine. Yeah. Yeah. Have you... Uh, so... Um, so why have you always been interested in TV and film then? Because you could argue that everyone's interested in TV and film, right? Everyone maybe thinks in the back of their head, oh, I wouldn't mind being an actor or an actress. Yeah. I, I don't think many people think about the behind, the behind the camera stuff, but certainly in front of the camera. What was different with your interest in it? How come you got into it? I, you know what? I just, I, I've always seek to do th things that are sort of out of the ordinary, you know, because the, the boring humdrum every day just... Honestly, it just feels like the slow death. <laughs> it's fucking. It, it just. That's just how it how it gets me. But yeah, you know, it, it definitely helped me in so many ways. I was just, you know, I said how I was. I was like, I didn't want a big crowds. Didn't like to be around people and Why stuff. Why is that? I don't know. I was just. I was just in a bit of a depressive bubble. You know, it was it was shit for a little while. For a long time, I say a little while. It was for a long time. Good, good three, four years after leaving the military. Not when I was doing the sort of, you know, the, the stuff abroad, the CP stuff, because that's just a that's just an extension of the military. So you're you're around blokes, you got that support base, even if you don't feel like you got it, you, it's there. You know, there's all that banter. You know, you could be with a bootneck and you just take the piss out of each other the whole time, but you know, it's it's still there. And then after that, it's just this slow decline. I just started going downhill massively. And uh, yeah, I, was, I had some really shitty moments, and then I just started doing this. I I started hoping a bit more, you know, thinking, you know, because you're so close to it. I think, and I've always been necky anyway. So you know, you know, you're on set, you got an actor here, you got an actor there, and you think, well, they can do it. Why the fuck can't I do it? <laughs> you know, I can do that. And then I started doing acting classes, and I just thought, if I'll do it as a hobby. But if I can do some acting classes, so if one day I'm on set, I can be ready, you know, to do something. If they wanted me to say something, then I, I'd have the confidence to get up and do it. Yeah. And so I started doing, I did a few terms at um, the Unseen Acting School, and I still go back now occasionally. What's that, the Unseen Acting School? I've heard of that. It's, um, it's in London. It was above Soho House. Um, I think it's moved now, like in the last couple of months. But, yes, yeah, you pay for a term of six weeks. And you go every Saturday. It's all day, so it's a good six hours, I think. So what are you doing? So you you do a lot of script reading. You start so off. Is it designed for someone brand new to the industry? Is it? Uh, yeah, the first classes, and then after you've been going for a little while, they bump you up to an evening class, and then so I did one term at the beginners, and then I got bumped up to the second one. Um, 
and honestly, I've been shot at. I've been fucking, you know, I've done all sorts of crazy shit. Shit myself when I had to stand up and do a reading in front of people oh, in the mate, class. Talk me, talk me through it. Wait, what was day one like when you first went? Uh, day one, you sort of go in um, and you'll do like a relaxation exercise. It's all about, it's like you do about 20 minutes of sort of meditation just to calm everyone. I, I imagine it's just to calm everyone down and it, it really helps. Minutes. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's, it's good. Time. Yeah, it's good. You sort of lay on the floor and then you go through things. And but by the time you get up, you're not as nervous about working with other people. And you know, so they break you down into a pairs, <coughs> and, and then you do a bit of script reading, sort of backwards and forwards. You don't have to memorise anything because you, it's hard to memorise in a day. I'm, I'm shit with that anyway. So, but yeah, you don't have to memorise anything. You just read from the script and do it in as many different ways as you can, and then. You just fire it back and forward, and then when you're ready, you'll get up and do it in front of in front of half the class. So he breaks it down to do half the class, so it's not as daunting. But my first day, I thought, "Fuck, I don't want to do that." <laughs> <laughs> and and he's noticed. I know he's noticed because he's seen me not put my hand up. And then I thought, got right to the end, and I thought, "Fuck, yeah, he's he hasn't noticed me. I'm good." And then he's <laughs> gone right. Let's get the whole class in. And he's picked me out and my partner and said, right, up on the stage. So he's made us get up on the stage in front of her. I'm glad he did, though, because I realised once you get up there and you just focus on the person in front of you, everybody else just kind of melts away. And it's, it helped. What was the scene? I don't Can know. you remember? Um, yeah, it's a comedy show on... Oh, I think it's, it's something to do with parents at school. Oh, I was playing a woman as well. And I didn't realise <laughs> that. You should just you should just like adjust it to yourself. But, you know, I was putting in like a high-pitched voice on and that. <laughs> but, but, yeah, it was good fun. By the second time, I was already quite confident, you know, to get up in front of people. It's still scary, you, you know, every time you get up. And I think that's the buzz of it. <laughs> So you go away leaving like you've overcome something, like you've achieved something, you know, because it's so scary to stand up in front of people. It's one of, it's like the biggest fear, the public speaking. It's like, you know, other than death <coughs> itself, it's the biggest fear. Is it really? Yeah, public speaking, getting up and, you know, I suppose people don't really think about it, but once they actually have to do it, and they think, fuck, you know, there's a lot of people there. And yeah, it's, it's like one of the top, you know, it's, it's like top five, I'm sure it is. Yeah, it makes sense. It makes sense. Um, like, well, you and I know at least, well, well I'm not going to name the person, <clears throat> but there is a guy who uh, who is super nervous about uh, uh, public speaking to the point where I think it was one of the things that inhibited his career because as a, as a commander, you need to be able to give things like briefs, get up, talk to people en masse. Yeah. And uh, I don't think he was comfortable doing it. <clears throat> I didn't know that until someone else told me since uh, since leaving. But um, are they, so acting, training, learning the discipline, are there different disciplines to to the things that make an actor? So when you did that, so when you did that, uh, you started on that, the, cor the course, the, 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 the uh, what do you call it, the term? Term, yeah, it's just a term of six weeks. When you started on that term of six weeks, was it like, did they give you a breakdown of, right, these are the, these are the six aspects that you need to work on to make to become a great actor? Number one is, I don't know, facial expression control. No. Like for example, I don't no, know. No, they can do that, that sort of stuff. Because it's more about being, 
sort of natural, you know, trying to trying to bring out yourself in the part. So I, I know different schools probably do it differently. So, you know, a lot of it is getting up, having the confidence to read the script in front of people and then doing it in your way. So how do you do that if you're playing a woman, Nomek? Yeah, you wouldn't normally play. Every time I got a partner, I always <laughs> made them play. After that first time, I always made them play the women. So no, I'm not doing that part. <laughs> but you could, you just adapt it to yourself, and you know, have that person be the the male. So yeah, it's. I really enjoy it. You know, so when I go there, it's good. Afterwards, it's. You know, after being so scary, so stand, so you don't really get used to it as such. I take a couple of L-theanines before I go in, nice and calm. A couple of what? L-theanines. It's like the compound in tea. Right. Okay. It's and it's nice and calming. I've, yeah, L-theanine's good. I'm taking that for years now. <clears throat> so what do you? So is there anything you find particularly easy or difficult about it? You um, teach me, mate. I'm I'm trying to learn. I'm a sponge absorbing your experience and knowledge of do you know what? The, of your the, of your the, acting. The biggest thing is just to be to be or be your authentic self. So you, you so you get a script and you do it as if you were in the situation. Obviously, you know you're not a mass murderer or anything like that. But you have to, you know, if you were playing a mass murderer, you have to put yourself in that situation. And say, what would I do? <laughs> you know. But yeah, it's... It's not easy. Act, you know, when you look at actors, you think, oh, fucking hell, I could do that. It's not easy to learn. It's not It's not easy it, to do. <sighs> they look, make it look easy, don't they? Yeah. They make it look easy. I remember, so on the, on Slow Horses, when we were on that, you know, I had some time around people like Guy Oldman, Chris and Scott Thomas. Yeah, I did, yeah. Um, and uh, and you just see them and you think, you don't see them rehearsing their lines. You don't see them doing that. You just, they just, you know, the, 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 it's not rolling. Action gets shouted, and they're just reading off their lines perfectly, yeah. just as if it's nothing. But then they've been in it for so long. I bet they've developed a thick, like photographic memories and and stuff like that. Yeah, you know, it's. Uh, well, I've heard that some of them really have trouble with their lines. It's, you know, you hear about stories of actors that have got earpieces in. I got someone reading it to them as they as they go in. Really? Yeah, I've, I can't remember who it was, but I have read that definitely. <coughs> it's um. But I did a scene with those as well. I was playing was it Kirsten Stock, Scott Thomas's bodyguard, but they cut the scene. I, thought, <laughs> Fuck. I was doing that all day as well. I really enjoyed it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Do you do you find it? So you find it quite natural then doing it? Only because now that you know, now that I've got my own confidence back, I don't mind. You know, I'll get on set. I've been spoilt, really, and and so have you, because you've you've had you've got you've come straight into it and started speaking to the director. They asked you what you're doing. You see, normal extras don't usually get that. That's quite rare. Yeah, so. I heard this. So obviously, that was my first production where I bumped into you on on that scene. Scene, you know, I was on that for about eighteen months in total. And uh, I remember there was a couple of other people said that said this is such a different this is such a different experience. Yeah. Other extras who who doing extra stuff all the time. They said this is such a different experience to what it normally is. Even from the way the director was, it's a different director in the second and the third series. But on the first and second series, the same director. Even the way the director was with the extras, uh, like tapping into people's knowledge. As an example, ex-military yeah. with military scenes. I got asked a couple of times on stuff, and uh, and yeah, they said that it's so different. It was just a it was a generally pleasant 
production to work on. Yeah. But then I went on, I went on did another, another day, and that was later on. I think I was series three and it was a different director, and I did not enjoy that day. No. I did not enjoy that day at all. Didn't it was feel valued at all. In hey, it, no, it, was, you know, it wasn't about, about valued. It <coughs> seemed <coughs> it was. Whereas on the first two series, I think it was I think it was the first and second that the first director was there. It seemed like it was just more efficient. Now I don't I don't think that the TV and film industry is that efficient at all, right? But that seemed more efficient. There was less. There was more. There was in fact, you know, talk about value. They definitely they definitely tried to uh, be more accommodating of the people who weren't actors, the the people on the periphery, on screen and off screen. So you know the runners and the extras, like providing tea and coffee, for example, like providing somewhere under uh, out of the rain to go and shelter yeah. while you're waiting for a shot to be taken. And and later on, that didn't happen. That may just be the way it is. But and again, that's like I mean that's the same thing in the military, right? A commander changes, and everything can. Some things change for the good. Some things change for the bad. But yeah, in general, I enjoyed it. It was fascinating. We and, and, and luckily, really luckily, I got to be around some Guy Oldman. Is uh, is he's my pro- probably my number number one favorite actor of all of all time. Yeah, and me all as time. well. I didn't even know he was on Slow Horses until we started filming, and then they end, at one point I was in the green room with him. I got put in the green room by a new runner by accident. Not thinking I was an actor because I got to the set early because I was driving. I was driving Chris and Scott Thomas in the scene. Yeah, I had to get there early and um, and familiarise myself with the car. This big brand new Jag, and then I was stood there waiting around, and they put me in the green room, and then. Guy Oldman walked in. Did you make yourself at home? I fucking did make myself at home. <laughs> I would have as well, I did yeah. Guy Oldman walked in. Chris and Scott Thomas walked in. Oh, Chris. Chris. Chris Wiles? Chris Wiles? Not Chris Wiles. Oh, what's his bloody name? Who was playing Duffy? Guy was playing Duffy walked in. Oh, okay, in. yeah. Uh, and I was thinking, oh my God. Just to be in the same room. I was you know, super lucky. And then uh, and there's a couple of other scenes that was quite close to Guy Oldman in the scene. And... Um, it's just, you know, it's just, uh, it's, it, it is a really interesting industry to be in, to be a part of, regardless of what you're doing. But it does have its down, like, there's a lot of waiting around, standing around. Oh, yeah. my God. Oh, my God. That fucking broke me. Broke me. But the difference is, I <clears throat> I was I was doing that as a bit of a jolly, because I thought it was only going to be one or two scenes over across one or two days, not across 18 months. But... I suppose it's different from your position, other people's position. If I was, if I was thinking I want to go into this as a career, I'd be sitting there trying to soak up everything. And I'm not the most social of people, so I, I definitely wasn't very social on on set. So like, leave me the fuck alone. I just kind of like that because yeah. there's no reason for me to need to go and network with anyone on them on there because I haven't got an aspiration to do it. Um, but the insight is invaluable doing that stuff. Yeah, you know and. Uh, and um, where the fuck was I going with that then? Well, I think you touched on something there, definitely, because... I had a question for you. Go on. Because if, you know, like you said, because you're you're not using it as a sort of networking. and you, So for me, I do want to go further with it. But if I don't, it's not the end of the world, you know, so I'm ready for it, but... You know, if it doesn't happen, it doesn't happen. I'm not, I'm not pushing full steam ahead. You know, I, I, because I like it as a hobby as well, and I enjoy it. I don't want to take that enjoyment out of it. So, 
you know, speaking to people on set actually helps me. It helps me to be more sociable and stuff like that. So I see it as networking, but, you know, it's helping me in my everyday life as well. So you know, I've met loads of friends now doing this. It's so many people, especially doing, you know, like the STF stuff, because that's all ex-soldiers. Well, mostly ex-soldiers. And we all sort of, you know, we all know each other now. We've all got each other's numbers and stuff. And, you know, yeah, that's good. It's good to have that network. Mm. I tell you one thing it did uh, show me is how much <clears throat> how much effort and planning and logistics there is that goes into now COVID aside like pandemic planning aside but it goes into putting a film a, 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 just a scene production together mm. anywhere let alone London the planning and effort that goes into that oh my god yeah. oh my god and then you factor in COVID and COVID restrictions and all that because when I was surprised when I was surprised when that job came up, I thought, "Fucking hell, they're doing this, they're doing this through the pandemic." Like, how? How I was thinking, how is the TV and film industry? How are they allowed to keep working like this? Because yeah, how are they allowed to keep working like this through pretty, the pandemic? Pretty heavy restrictions, though, weren't they? On well, this is the point I'm coming to. Mm. <clears throat> Holy, oh my god, the restrictions are crazy. Like we were talking about, mm. coming from talking about the podcast on the icebreaker, but you know, if I was on. If I was going to be on set on the Saturday and they wanted me to have a haircut as well, let's say they wanted me to have a haircut and a costume fit on the Friday, I'd have to go and get a test on the Thursday or the Wednesday. So travel to a studio, get a COVID test, wait for that to come back positive, uh, negative. (laughs) Then I go and get the haircut the next day. Then after I've had the haircut, I have another test because I need another test to test negative so I can go on set the following day. Yeah. And then you go on set the following day. And Get if you're on test. set the following day after that, you're te- you testing every day. Yeah. And then what surprise was when I got on set, you know, you think, I, I literally had it in my head, I thought, they're not going to be, they, they, you're telling about all the restrictions, like masks everywhere. You literally get, you have to keep your mask on until the last safe moment where they're just about to, they're just about to roll the cameras. And then you need to take the mask off. And I had it in my head, especially on the first day, where I thought, people are going to be, they're going to be cutting corners here. There won't be any masks on set. You're going to get on set. People will be taking the piss. You'll be like, right, as soon as you get into a building, because some of the, you know, a lot of the scenes are indoors. As soon as you get inside and you can't see, like, Joe Public, because we would do a lot of scenes in London, <clears throat> you know, and you'd have Joe Public, like, in the house next door, looking out the window, seeing what's being filmed in the street. Yeah. But even when you got indoors out of prime eyes, all the masks would still be on. The COVID restrictions are being a- applied like rigidly yeah. by everyone on set. Like I really admired it. I really admired it. And it reminded me of, which made me laugh, reminded me of, remember when Tom Cruise had that outburst? Yes. Right at the pandemic, went mental at someone. It was about following, it was something to do with the COVID restrictions, wasn't it? Yeah, set. you know why? Because... Well, I understand now. Yeah, 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 yeah because they lose so much money yeah, and exactly. they'll shut the production down. Yeah, exactly. If they catch them, that's it. Yeah, exactly. It'll be shut and down. And they'll so lose rigid. millions. Yeah, yeah, and that's why it's so rigid. And I had admiration for that. No cutting corners. You know, um, and, and which is hard when there's so many people, mate. Bringing you this podcast today are Rugby for Heroes. Rugby for Heroes are a not-for-profit organisation founded in 2009 in the wake of the death of Private Joe Whittaker, who was sadly killed on operations serving with the Parachute Regiment in Afghanistan in 2008. Rugby for Heroes fundraise for military charities. They do this by organising high-quality events which revolve around the themes of rugby, alcohol, live music, good food, good people. Since 
They were formed. Rugby for Heroes have raised nearly £120,000 for military charities. I have been a beneficiary of theirs in the past, and it's actually how I came to know about Rugby for Heroes is when they reached out and helped me when I needed it most. And they have helped countless other individuals and countless other organisations help ex-military and servant personnel in their toughest times. Rugby for Heroes have got many events lined up for 2022. They've already held their first event. It was a supper club raising money for the 353 charity and they have got more supper clubs and more festivals on the way. Look at their website, rugbyforheroes.org to keep up to date when the next events are. Make sure you get along to at least one of them if you can and I will see you there. I've been to every one of their events since I became aware of Rugby Heroes and like I said since they helped me out and I'll be going to every single one of their events in the future wherever possible. Rugbyforheroes.org or you can find them on social media at Rugby for Heroes at Rugby number four heroes. How I have to think there is some driftwood. There are some people there. Like, I like to think if you went now, if you had no prior knowledge, you would make art, right? Had no prior knowledge of how a scene is put, is is filmed, right? Never mind about the actors doing what the actors do. But Mick, we want to film a scene in central London. Uh, You have got as many people as you want, or as few people as you want, put a team together to make that happen. You know, we're talking from the cameraman to the run. You, you put that team together. I reckon you would come up with about 50% of the number. Your total, your total workforce would be about half the size they are now. Yeah. There's too many people. Yeah. Because you've got <laughs> runners, second yeah, runners, third runners. People and, yeah. everywhere. There's people who literally the job is to go and pick up coffee. Again, this, is, this probably also varies. You know more than me. I've only done one production. You've done a bunch. Does that vary production to production? Yeah, is there more or less some chaff are, production? Yeah, some production. are massive. I did, um, I did that new Ridley Scott film. Um, Which one's that? It is Napoleon. Okay. I'm not sure if that's the title or not, but it's about Napoleon. So, and that was I didn't I didn't enjoy it because there was so many people on set and you didn't get looked after really. But it's you know I, that's understandable because there were hundreds of people on set and they just couldn't you know just couldn't keep up. It was fucking crazy. But yeah, those. <laughs> It was there was runners everywhere. They're all trying to accommodate you, but they just couldn't because there's too many people. And then you've still got the COVID restrictions. You've still got to put. I'm going to be looking in the next few films. You know, over the next couple of years, there's going to be some COVID masks on the floor somewhere. <laughs> you know, you can. The, the amount of people that still had bits of string. Oh, you mean on screen? Up, <laughs> on <the> screen, <laughs> yeah. yeah. The amount of people that had like COVID masks hanging out their pockets and stuff like that, and you just think. Get a grip. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We did a scene in uh, Stansted and it was there was something like 200, 300 extras. Yeah. Was that the first episode? Yeah, that was the first episode. Yeah. Oh, I saw you on yeah, that. Yeah, first away, episode, yeah. yeah. Uh, 200, 300 extras. It was mental, mate. Yeah. It was mental. Took over a, a terminal, an unused terminal at Stansted. That was crazy. That was services to film again. I think they organised all of those. They do a lot of them, yeah. I think they organise all the extras for that, yeah. I did, um, I did Star Wars. That was brilliant. Honestly, the Star Wars set was fucking amazing. Where was it? It was. It's in a quarry just outside of London. I can't remember the exact place, but which which Star Wars film is this? This is uh, the TV series uh, Andor. That's just come out now. Okay. And that was 
I was on it about five weeks. Some of them were on it six or seven weeks, and they, you know, they take a photo of you as well with like two hundred cameras in a dome, so they can digitalize you and stuff like that. So oh, really? They, yeah. So if they wanted to blow you up and they can use your image and stuff. No way. Yeah, and uh, that was. If you were a Star Wars fan, you would pay to walk around that set. It's that nice. It's amazing. What do you mean nice? You it, mean? It's just, it's massive, and they've spent millions on it, and you could walk in any door on set, and it will take you to something in the Star Wars universe. It's, 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 and I'm nosy, so I wandered off on set and had a look. Uh, yeah, and it was crazy. So what, <clears throat> what were the, uh, so do they, do they use the same location for filming all the time now? No, but that that stuff was just for the that's on the planet of Andor or whatever. No, Andor's planet. Andor's the the, the guy, but um, I'm not sure what the the world's called. But everything on that world was done in that that studio, and it was it was crazy. When I walked in one room, and you can see the two speeders, it looked like the two speeders from um, uh, Phantom Menace. Really? Off that, yeah. So we were just walking about, having a look, and it's. Amazing. This set was amazing. I was supposed to be a, a stormtrooper, but I went along to the fitting and I'd not updated my fittings, you know, all the, all the numbers and stuff. And he said, no, we can, I tried getting it on. And he's saying, no, 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 it's not fitting, mate. I said, no, 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 I'll suck in. <laughs> I don't want to fucking do this. <laughs> he's like, no, it's not happening, mate. And this is the only one we got left. I said, look, I really want to do this. And he's like, I'll tell you what, we'll put you down as a mud trooper, which is like, they're like the pre... Stormtroopers, so mud trooper. Well, they've got their helmets on, and they're like shock troops. So it was even better because you get to see my face as well. <laughs> so I'm not covered by a, a full vi full visored helmet. <clears throat> but yeah, I was are you have you, are you in any of the episodes yet? Um, I'm told I'm in the last couple of episodes. You've not I, watched it? No, 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 because they're not all out yet. Uh, uh, somebody I, all, yeah. you know, somebody I know who was on a production have seen them all, and they've said that. Yeah, I'm, I should be in the last because I got a feature, and I got cut away early because they can't keep using it if if you get featured. So it's me and another guy, and the camera comes in. Uh, so the actors stood behind us, and we're just there. He said basically we had to look mean, and I had the fucking sun in my eyes, but it was cold <laughs> as well, and I just felt like I was back in Northern Ireland. <laughs> you know, it was fucking shit. I was thinking it was a long day. I said, this is not going to be hard to look mean now. So I just played myself. And uh, the camera comes in, looks at me, goes up over our heads to the main actor at the time. And we should get a bit of screen time. But, you know, they might cut it <laughs> like they do. Still get paid for it, though. Still got paid for it. Yeah, it was not too bad, that. It was clearing sort of 300 quid a day on that one. Yeah, that's what, uh, that's what surprised me on the uh, one of the things I learned about it. It's all the different, the extra little the payments bumps. you get, yeah. little payments you get for doing different things. So like holding a weapon, you get paid extra. Firing a weapon, you get yeah, paid firing extra. Firing a blank, yeah. Firing a blank, you get paid extra. Um, so, uh, yeah, a facial expression that you're asked to make. Yeah. Like a gesture, you get paid extra creative for Creative reaction. Crea yeah, creative reaction, you get, you get paid extra for that. Saying something, you get paid extra for that. What else is there? There's loads of shit. Oh yeah, working through your lunch. <laughs> Yep. <laughs> Missing a meal, you get paid extra for that. It's yep. quality. It's like all the stuff in the military, you got paid for all that. I'd be a millionaire if you got paid for all that stuff in the military. <laughs> millionaire. 24 yeah. hours a day getting paid, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's a, cool, it's a really, it is a really interesting thing to be a part of. It's like <clears throat> one of the reasons I'm glad I got 
like got you in today to talk to and then look at Dickie Tranton soon as well uh, is um, is sort of to expose people to the industry as an yeah. as an option for go and do something a little bit different for a weekend or a day or a week or to look at it seriously as, as a, like a career you know after the military absolutely because it's uh, it is fascinating and it's and every and in the same way I suppose every production is completely different to the yeah. last production you know every ask and, and eat positively or negatively and the networks the networking is amazing and learning is amazing just watching people like idols fucking Gary fucking Oldman man watching him work yeah. you know it's just uh, <clears throat> it's just amazing and I think if you approach it with a good sort of attitude you'd really enjoy it so y you know you can be sat around but if you use that time sitting around to just chat to people about other productions and stuff like that you have a great laugh it's good it's like being back on the ranges you know when everyone's bored and pissing around you know it's yeah. just yeah it's good fun and you can come out of it so I, th I seriously think that you know, if you're struggling, like social anxieties, anything like that, and you go along to these things and put yourself out there, because it is, you know, it can be scary if the director, you know, you're in there on your first day and he gets up and he says, right, I want you to fucking pick this guy up and carry him over there. And you're like, fucking hell, here we go. <laughs> it was good fun, though. Mm. Yeah, how long have you been doing it for now? When was your first production? Oh, two years now. And that was... What was it? The Great. That was The Great, yeah, that was The Great. Did The yeah. Great, I can't remember. I did The Crown after that. Oh, yeah. I've been on The Crown a couple of seasons, actually. That's Gillian Anderson's in that, isn't she? Um, she? She plays Margaret Thatcher, doesn't she? She does, I didn't do that one. Um, yeah, I think she played Maggie Thatcher, yeah. I played a sailor on there. What, on Crown? On, on the, the Crown, Crown, yeah. And I also played... So I... <laughs> so I was, I had to wear the big bearskin hats and march around the square. I thought, oh, for Are you a guardsman? Sake. Yeah, I was a guardsman. Oh my God. I was thinking if, if all the Paravedge lads could see me now. <laughs> I was thinking I don't want a feature. What? I don't want to be seen. <laughs> what was the scene? It was just marching up and down the square for like the Queen's birthday or something like that. It was, I think it was set in like 81 or something like that. So it was hell. That was probably the only one I didn't enjoy because it was just like the worst part of the military for me or for Power Edge blokes was just marching, you know, drill. Yeah. It, it, name me a bloke in Power Edge that likes doing drill. <laughs> okay. Yeah. 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 I said, yeah, that was, that was, that I, there was bits um, with the, with weapons and that on, on some of the old ho uh, slow horses scenes where, they ask you to do stuff that go completely against. Yeah. Like in your head, I would not. No, I wouldn't. I wouldn't put myself down like that. Yeah, you got to I'm grapple with that. I'm completely yeah. exposed. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but the camera needs to see it. Yeah. Like, are you <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, all right. Can you just? Uh, can you ju in this scene? Can you just? Can you guys in the back of the vehicle? Can you just cock your weapons? No, no, no. We wouldn't. We wouldn't. We wouldn't nope. be doing that here. They'd already be done. Yeah, but that would be done oh, miles away where God. they can't hear you. Because <laughs> yeah. in my head, I was thinking someone's going to see one of the blokes. Same thing. One of the blokes going to see this and go, "Why the fuck is he doing that? Why is he doing those drills? What am I?" <laughs> but it's not me. <laughs> know. It's not me. I'm not doing this. I know. <laughs> I know. It's funny. It's funny. Yeah. So I just did a. It was a documentary about two guys in Florida. They were, like, um. 
I think they were like a Mexican drug cartel or something like that, like recently, like in the last few years. And I played, I played the FBI guy that was catching them, but I also played one of the guys that got caught. Oh, right. <laughs> because it's slightly blurred. It's like oh, um, right. the focus, it's not blurred, but the focus is on something else in the foreground, like a bag of money, and you're doing the stuff in the background. And they had me, I wasn't the commander, uh, and they had me with a weapon, and I'm sort of in the rear, basically. And I, as I've gone in, I'm covering my rear, doing a spin around and that, making sure there's nothing behind me. And the bloke's gone, what are you doing? I said, well, covering my rear, you know what I mean? You wouldn't just walk straight in without, you know, being exposed at the back. He said, no, no, don't, don't worry about all that. I was thinking, oh, for fuck's sake, here we go. And uh, later on in the scene, uh, I was sat in the, um, in the car and I've got a driver and we're just about to go and take these guys down. And I've got, he's given me a weapon. He's like, you know how to use that? I said, yeah, mate, I'm ex-military, because he didn't know. And he went, oh. <laughs> I said, he said, I just want you to play around with it. So, you know, I've, I've cocked it, you know, done everything, cleared the weapon, put the thing back on. And he's looked at me and thought, okay, I'll just leave you to it then, mate. <laughs> so is, uh, is the tempo of work picking up now? Are you... Are you, are you finding that you're doing more, you're getting more work? Does it work like that? Yeah, I took about, I think it's the, the way the pop sort of platform works. If you, you know, you're getting good reviews of people, you, I'm not sure. What if platform? It's, what platform? Pop is, oh, um, pop, pop. Yeah, 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 so it's what STF and all that yeah. sort of are all on. If you, you know, you don't turn up late and stuff like that and you sort of, and you're getting used a lot, you get sort of bumped to the top of the list. And I get offered work all the time, but. At the moment, I'm really busy with other stuff, so I'm sort of being a bit more selective. Uh, obviously, if something comes up like Star Wars or something I really want to do, then I'll just jump on it and sort of cut everything else. But yeah, when this documentary was just a day up in Norfolk, so I just decided to just jump on it and have a little have a little go. But I'm glad I did because it was all right. But I was just a bit clueless about sort of weapons drills and mm. stuff. But. Mm. What's your what what are you spend your time on? You was uh, you mentioned earlier you spend a, you spend a lot of time in the man shed at the end of the day. Uh, my man cave, yeah. The man cave, writing. Uh, what are you writing? So I write short stories. Um, I'm sort of I've been working on another book as well. It's another book? What do you mean another book? Well, so what about, uh, hang on a minute. Where's the first one? So I've got a series of short <laughs> stories. So there is a short story. Uh, it's on Amazon at the moment. It's called um, Christ. What is it called now? I'll tell you later. It's just gone, just, just gone to clarify, yeah. your first book, and you can't remember the name. It's a short story. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Are you on there as Mike Lord and Cartwright? Mm-hmm. I'm gonna have a look now. Go on, yeah. continue anyway. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I've, I've been writing about stuff, you know, like Foreign Legion, Paris, and all. Just like a little memoir, basically. It's memoirs of death. Memoirs of death. It's my first short story, but I'm gonna write a series of them. So. Yeah. Got five stars from about three people, so doing all right so far. That's good. <laughs> but um, screenplays, anything like that? I looked into that. I, mean, I can tell a story, but I don't know if I've got time to learn another skill. You know, mm. <laughs> I'm just um, I'm stretched in. I started, I started a company called Grapple Beast. Um, and we basically were doing NFTs with a utility behind it. You said you were, you did a bit of NFTs. I've put right HR there. NFTs out there now. Have you? Yeah. So, there's like the cover of this podcast, so it'll be a 
Yeah, I'll do an image, a cover, podcast cover image. You know, say episode 183, Mick, Mick Cartwright. Mick Odin Cartwright, get over yep. there. Mick Odin Cartwright, blah, blah, blah. And then I'll, I'll uh, cartoonize that and make it an NFT. But <coughs> literally just because, why not? Yeah, um, but I might, I might use... See, I might use the NFT facility, if you want to call it that, in the future as a... So people who own HR NFTs... They may get access to something in the future. That, that's the way that's forward. <coughs> yeah. The, the gold rush is over, right? So all that, you know, everyone flying in, making shitloads of money off of, you know, cat NFTs, you know, with that dodgy pixelated crap. Uh, <coughs> excuse me. And, um, yeah, that's over now. You get the odd one or two slide through. But an NFT with a utility behind it, you know, that's the way forward. And people will think... A lot of people don't understand NFTs and, and what you don't understand. Well, the gold rush has been bad for people to understand it. Yes. So people, so people look at, and I'm generalizing, people look at NFTs and think, oh, um, people are charging me to own some form of what they call is art. And, and it really is what it is. And that is not incorrect. It's not incorrect. But it's more. Yeah. But it has like tip of the iceberg. Yeah. Tip of the iceberg. Um, like you said, utilities. So, gra- <clears throat> so grapple beasts, right? So I'm assuming you grapple, you do BJJ of some sort. You got an interest in it? I do. Yeah, I started Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu last year, and I just okay. thought, you know, I'd, you know, I've been doing it. Sometimes I'm doing it five times a week. Where sometimes are you twice. Uh, BKK fighters in yep. Colchester. I love it. I do love it. I'm struggling at the moment with certain aspects, but you know, you know, I, just, I enjoy it's addictive, it. Addictive, isn't it? It is addictive. Yeah. Do you do it? Yeah, you I did. I've got the time now. Uh, I say I've got the time. I did it for I did it for a couple of years on and off. But w- when I was doing it, I was with a, with small groups, so it was like the instructor ratio, instructor student ratio was really good. <clears throat> Learned quite a lot in a short space of time, and I had loads of time to train. I was working away as well in the Middle East, so loads of time to train, yeah. and then came back. And now I want to get back into it over the last few years. But the long and short of it is where I live. The class times of the of the schools that are there, they don't match up with when I'm available to train. So I started boxing instead because the the class that they just got like for example, early morning is the best. I need early yeah. morning, so I'll go boxing like six in the morning at a, a local boxing gym, um, and it works. But but funny enough, that um, at the is it Gracie Baja in Chelmsford? Yeah, there is one there. What's his name? Uh, there's a veg bloke. Isn't his name <laughs> there? What's his name? Oh, for God's sake, mate. For God's sake. I'm going to have to look it up. Reg bloke, instructor there. And his name is... I bumped into it the other day. My memory is shocking. Shocking. D-A... D-A... Sorry, people listening or watching. Oh, I'll have to come back to it. Um... Anyway, there's a Regiblog instructor at the, at the place in Chelmsford. The BKK I never went there. I went to um, seventh, seventh Legion or Ninth Legion a couple of times. Oh, okay. Up on I think seventh shut now. Is it? Yeah, I think so. Uh, right, I went there a couple of times when I when I was trying to get back into it when I was in Colchester. But um, I hijack your story there. Yeah. So go on. Uh, you started last year at BKK. Yeah. I just, that's good. I mean, had you done an MMA kind of stuff before that? Yeah, years ago. I did boxing, MMA, you know, kickboxing and all that. Um, but because I was working away on the ships, I always wanted to get a fight in. But 
you know, because I was working away on the ship, so I'd do two months on, a month off, so I'd only get a month's training in before I'd have to piss off again on the ship, so, yeah, now that I'm home, and I get to go most of the time if I'm not working and stuff like that, so I, I get a minimum twice a week, but sometimes I go four or five times, but... You can't complete it. That's what keeps me interested. There's so many different skills you have to learn. Um, it's just infinite. You know, you can just get to the end, or you think you get to the end, like black belt maybe. And the, the black belts will tell you, you know, they know shit compared to so and so. You know, and you know, it's just an ongoing. And I like that because I won't quit now. So you know, because you can't complete it. I can't get to a certain level and go, ah, fuck it, I've, I've done it now move on to something else which is what I do a lot with other things well I have done in the past but yeah it's good you can't complete it so you can just keep going mm. see uh, is, did I see Gordon Ryan is about to retire is he? he's just won the oh have I made that up? no no he's just won well, he's up. just won the world championship he just won the world championship yeah. isn't he? yeah I thought he was talking about doing it next year as well so oh, I, 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 I may be talking rubbish I may be talking rubbish Anyways, come back to Grapple, Grapple Beasts. Grapplebeasts.com is a... I, I basically... It's a Brazilian jiu-jitsu-themed NFTs. So they're like, you know, the pictures Rhino and Geese and the rarity goes up as the belt ranks go up and the utility behind it. So basically, I, I, I founded it on the ethos of, you know, sort of mutual respect. You know, everything you'd get in a jiu-jitsu academy, you know, in, and the utility behind it is... We call it the edu Educate to Elevate initiative. So basically, everyone who buys a Grapple Beast will have a utility. Um, so once they've sold like 25, 50%, I can't remember what it is now, you'll get a free course online, which will basically be, it'll either be, you know, coding, a creative writing course. We're, we're going to put it out to a vote to the community anyway and see you know, what courses are most in demand. But we're going to be doing that any, anyway, regardless of making money. So the courses will be going up. The Grapple Beast. So Grapple Beast NFT owners will yeah. have access to free education, basically. Yeah. That they would other, otherwise have to pay for. Yeah. If it was well, we're creating right. the courses. But so the Educate you know, to Elevate initiative is basically we want to get it out there to everybody as well. So like, you know, people who... You know, because some of these courses are like fifteen, fifteen hundred quid upwards. Well, we're going to price them a lot less. How are you going to do that? What you, so, what? Give me ex uh, an example of the, of the scope of the courses that you're going to cover. So, the courses. So, I've got coders and people like that that are going to do the courses. I've already been, you know, in, in contact with them. Um, it's just the, it's just the content of the courses that we're going to, we're going to vote on. So, I think a lot of coding. You know, there's a lot of code and stuff out there that I'd like to build that sort of platform that people can, you know, like a little coding gym sort of thing, a little coding academy where they can practice it. Because the best way to learn coding is to do it. I mean, you could learn all the theory until the cows come home, but you have to, you have to get, on, you have to get in front of the computer and you have to do it. Um, so that'll be part of the vote, I think. We'll be, and creative writing because I'm interested in that, and I'll put that to the vote as well, and just maybe some sort of computer security course something like that but that will all be dependent so once we've sold like 25 percent you know they become free to everybody who holds them but also they'll be cheap to everybody else anyway and these courses 
some 1500 quid they go up to about three and a half grand but we're looking there is no need for that that is just greed you know there's no need for that i mean a digital course doesn't cost that much to create i mean once it's created that's it you know you can just throw it out there so and then move on to the next one but you know I, I think a lot of these companies are really greedy and they're just they're cutting off that type of education structure to people i'm not a big this is, might be a bit controversial i'm not a big proponent of um sort of university and stuff only because i just think people waste their time there and they get out and they haven't got a qualification to actually do a job you know it's just not, I, know, I, I, I don't hate university but i just think that you know they end up coming out of a lot of debt you know they probably get a lot of, so i didn't go to university i work in network rail you know i don't need any skills for that and uh, i get paid quite a lot of money for it but it's, it's not that controversial <laughs> now i think it would have been controversial 10 years ago i think the tide is definitely turning on people's opinion on uni now the only, see you can't argue against. I don't think you can argue against the value of university when it comes to the the professions like a lawyer, like yeah. a doctor, and like professor, a, like a real doctor, stuff, yeah. like yeah, yeah, but in in certain disciplines like mm. the sciences and 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 uh, law, things like that. But then there's a whole host of other stuff. We think, man, like to your point, man, yeah. you don't need to be going to uni to get that information in that way and to get that qualification which you could for an industry which you could get into without that yeah that debt creating thing you're going to do for three or four years yeah. i agree with you yeah i agree with you it's uh it's just like an industry-led course you know you just you know once you get to the end you have the skills to do that job and that's that's just what we want to do bringing you this podcast today are the aardvark group founded in 1982 aardvark has established itself as a major player in its field, renowned for its exceptional technology and innovative propositions that have supported countless defence ministries, the humanitarian and NGO sectors, and commercial operators in theatres of war and post-conflict environments around the world. Aardvark is foremost a humanitarian organisation, working to help rid the world of the explosive remnants of war. Their technologies are uniquely developed by operators for operators, which ensures that every product, system or platform conforms to the essential criteria of stability, survivability and reliability. Aardvark know that to have a truly lasting positive impact, their technologies must be cost effective. And so they've commissioned a number of projects with their research partners to develop technical innovations with a core aim of delivering affordable solutions that can be deployed directly into communities to reduce the incidence of accidents and deaths due to explosive threats. As well as their core products and services, they also have an online shop where if you're an individual who works in a post-conflict zone in a high-threat situation, in a high-threat environment, you can get kit from Aardvark. Their website is aardvark.group. Go there and at checkout, use the discount code HHOUR. And while you're there, make sure you check out all of their products, all their services, including unmanned ground and air vehicles. So on the courses... Computer, computer security, possibly. You've got uh, coding. 
there'd definitely be a coding yeah, element. Yeah, and then the creative writing. So that, that writing. is the anomaly in there. The other two are computer-oriented or tech-oriented. Well, and they creative writing. I'm just giving people a choice. You okay. know, it's just, yeah. you know, this will be put to a vote. So I've created a, I'll create a grapple, beans, grapple beast. And I've also created a cryptocurrency coin in order to, it's called Grapple Coin. But that won't be dropped till a lot later on. That that will be so they can vote basically. So it'll be part of the smart contract in the coin. So you need to explain this. To, so when you're talking about here, I know what you're talking about, right? When you're <laughs> talking about voting. I'll put it out to the vote. I'll put it out to the community, and I created a coin, a token, and the blah 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 blah. Yeah, yeah. There are people that ain't got a fucking clue on about. Yeah, so, they a fucking clue. so have you, so so have you got a, a, a how? Where's the community hosted? Are you, are you got this Discord service or something like that? I've got Discord. We've just set that up. I've got Facebook, which is where we've just finished doing a bit of marketing. So there's about, I think there's about 5,000 followers on oh, there. That's pretty good. Moment. Yeah. The Facebook, Facebook page was first. I thought I'd get that one out of the way first. And, and then we've got, I'm just starting my marketing now for Twitter and Discord. I've just set up the Discord server. That was, it took me a lot longer than I thought it would because... I did it, and then I looked at it, and I thought, that just looks bland and plain. So I've got some advice, got some outside counsel, and uh, now it looks good. Now it looks like a professional server, which is what it is. Uh, and I've had people approach me for to become moderators and stuff like that already. So oh, cool. We're just sort of so battering you, on let me Let me try and understand this. <clears throat> so you are, so the aspiration is down the line, is to have... This community, I'm, I'm not telling you. I'm, I'm asking. Yeah, yeah. Right. Uh, is obviously I'm not fucking telling you. <laughs> <laughs> um, is to have a community of people, like-minded individuals who are interested in the same thing. The common interest here is going to be grappling, MMA, Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu kind of stuff. Also, they have a techno. They obviously have a technology interest because they are, they one, they've. They've got the ability to purchase NFTs, which means they've got some understanding of blockchain technology, yep. cryptocurrency, right? They'd be able to set up a fucking wallet for Well, example. no, they don't need that. Because oh, okay. if you go on my website, it teaches you how okay. to do all that as well. Yeah, so, uh, And then, so these people, <coughs> the initial people who are the Grapple Beast NFT owners, part of that community, you want to empower them to be able to have a say on the direction Grapple Beast takes. For yeah, example, yeah, exactly. what courses that Grapple Beast could provide them yeah. uh, for free or for cheap and other things, right? Am I, did I explain that correctly? Yeah, pretty much, except okay. for you don't have to be interested in Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu to, you know, to, to get into it. But that's just the theme. It's the theme of it, and I like the ethos of it, so that's just how we did it. Um, but, yeah, they will, they, they will vote on every as aspect, so... So once we get to like 50 to 75%, we want to donate to a few charities. They'll get to vote on which charities to donate to. Uh, once we get to 75%, you know, we want them to, to actually sort of guide us on where the next roadmap's going to go. So there's a roadmap out there. It's all out now. It's all ready to go. The smart contract has been written. I just need to fill the, the list and then make it live. So... Yeah, you can go on the website now and look at all this. So, you know, the roadmap's there. Um, it's a multi-stage drop as well. So, you know, the price will go up in increments. The first 100 are free. Uh, and then once what, we the get first 100 NFTs are free? Yeah, but they'll have to do certain things, you know, like share the page and stuff like that. So we're, we're looking at a little competition at the moment. So I'm just I'm speaking with a guy on 
on Discord at the moment. He's a bit of a marketing manager because I've had to teach myself so much stuff for this. You know, I'm working with a couple of other people. They they want to remain, you know, remain anonymous, but you know, this is my baby at the end of the day anyway. So I'm, I'm quite happy for them to remain anonymous, but I'm definitely getting a lot of help. Where did the idea come about from for doing this? Because it's a bit out of left field, isn't it? It is, yeah. But you know, like I said before, I just like doing things that are sort of you know sort of wide ranging but I was into crypto anyway before um, how come what got you into it I don't know I just I don't know how I got into crypto I, I, I made a bit of money on Verge no oh, wow. and Verge was a coin on Verge yeah yeah. Um, yeah I made some you know I used to like investing in really small companies or, or penny stocks basically and watching them go <laughs> Because I was only using the money, so I used to. Like but you're talking about crypto here, right? Yeah. So yeah. the penny stock equivalent of crypto. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. So, yeah, not Bitcoin. I just, you know, you got, you can make money on Bitcoin if you're minted, basically. But you know, it doesn't have that hope, that potential of 10x in or whatever. You know, I'm, just, I'm still a bit of a dreamer in that respect. But you know, it worked out a couple of times, especially with Verge. I, I only invested about, I think initially about 600 quid, and I walked away with about seven grand so and i walked away just as it crashed and that was due to no skill of my own it was just pure luck you know i just pulled it out and and it just plummeted like about a week later so i was happy about that so i come out of the crypto space up not down and yeah, that's good but um whilst i was doing it i did a lot of research into companies and stuff like that and i, I found out that i quite like that sort of stuff you know like sort of finding out what the company does, trying to figure out whether it's a scam and stuff like that and doing all the research. And that's mainly the big part of it, especially with crypto. There's so many scammers and rug pullers out there. It's, it's unbelievable. It is the Wild West, but I think that's what I like about it. Yeah, I suppose you could argue there's no more scammers in, and and bluffers in the crypto industry than there are in general in like the commercial just in life yeah that's right you yeah. know it, it's just they're visible yeah it's, they're more visible because they're all online it's all, it's all and the spotlights, spotlights on them as well the spotlights yeah. on them yeah spotlights on them but it's quite easy to, to do your your due diligence and like with anything um not like with anything i think uh like the like like with the nft Bubble, if you want to, no, not a bubble implies the wrong thing, but the NFT surge of interest in it and people trying to make a quick buck, and lots of people did make a quick buck off the, off the surge of interest in it, um, which that's kind of dying off now. The same is happening with cryptocurrencies where people are viewing it as a way to get rich real quick. They all see it, they all see every cryptocurrency, new or old, as the next Bitcoin is going to make a Bitcoin mil billionaire, yeah. you know, and it's not, and it's not the case. You can actually, you can absolutely use it for that, you know, for should, like day trading, for example. And it's like you can, you can use it for that. I wouldn't fucking advise it, mind. It's so volatile. No. But to your point, the the the, the piece of the puzzle everyone's missing is the utility behind it. Yeah, the utility behind it is incredible. Like the crypto, the cryptocurrency, the aspect of cryptocurrency, the making money piece, that is that pales in comparison to what the opportunity there is in blockchain technology yeah. Um, for for everyone, really. I mean, to, to your point about you're using your NFTs there, like the uh, the reason I said the HR NFTs is for a, a future aspiration to be able to, it's, li it's literally 
to be able to, it's a control mechanism to be able to provide, to be able to identify people that the right kind of people that I want to provide access to for X, Y, or Z. Yeah. Because, because you could say that, okay, if someone owns a HR NFT, then I can assume certain things about them. Gener- like they're interested in hey chower maybe they listen to the podcast they have an interest in nfts they have an interest in blockchain technology what you know when i say interest it could be a, an interest of 100 percent or fucking 10 percent. but the point is of, of someone owning that you can make certain assumptions about them and then you can i can say okay well i'm gonna i'm gonna open up my private area of discord to not just my patrons, but also to HR NFT owners, as an example. I'm not saying I'm going to do that, but as an example, because because I kind of I feel like they're the right caliber of people who I want to bring in and not compromise the existing good community I've got there of, of the patrons. But yeah. I'm just the point is I'm making is there's so much opportunity there, and that's an example of the NF- NFT. There thing. is, yeah. And you can do the same thing, not using NFTs, you can do the same thing with just having a token like you've created. How long did it take you to create that token? You've done that from scratch because there's there's um what in fact what network is it on? Ethereum. Okay. Right, yeah. Yeah, so the the actual token, the coin, is ready to go, but that's not going to get dropped for a little while. But when we start the voting phase, that's how we'll do it. We'll put the coins out there, and the voting will be done through the you know the coin contract, so uh, the token contract. But I, I think we're in a really good place now, because now the bubble's popped. You know, and all the money makers and scammers, they're all still out there. But now that that's all done, this paves the way for the good the good things to come through. You know, I mean, a lot of these contracts are playing with, a lot of these projects are playing with, you know, metaverse and stuff like that. And we could go that way if, you know, if the community wants to go that way, where we'll do the research and we'll have a look and maybe putting on, I don't you know, like classes in the metaverse i mean but i mean facebook are not doing too well with all that at the moment but you know it's it's a, an option you know facebook's gone a weird way <clears throat> i think they've come out and i think they come out of it in the end i think facebook no i think facebook will disappear i think instagram maybe not but i mean i'm just looking at it now from when i go on facebook right i don't have the app i go on my on desktop yeah and i look at it from a business perspective so I've got like the HR page on there, and the group and the group, a small group. I've got you know I'm, I uh, the Forces Barbarians page on there. Just the different stuff I'm involved with. My God, the user interface, it is shocking. I mean, it is the the worst yeah. platform, the worst platform of anything I've used, including yeah. LinkedIn, to do anything as a business. It is just not. It's so comp like either complicated or not clear and those two are similar things but not the same complicated and not clear sometimes it takes me 30 seconds to find out to find the place to fi- and i f- sound like an old man you yeah? like an old man tech user and i am not right sometimes it takes me 20 or 30 seconds to find how i create a new post for my fucking hr page i'm thinking <laughs> what this shouldn't it should not be like this this is crazy yeah. It's, cr- it's like it's. I think it's they, changed it's like, recently, though, hasn't it? No, this is. I was only on, on, on the. Oh, they've changed the page layout and stuff, haven't they? But I mean, it seems to me like it's just been overloaded with overloaded with features. features yeah. Overloaded, overcomplicated. So it just needs what to be simplified doing? and sort of yeah, dulled I, down. I, I think it'll, it'll. Yeah, I don't. What? Well, it'll. 
I think yeah, Something I think you're right, but I don't think Facebook's going anywhere. I, I think they'll start catching up and bringing in the the younger audience again. <laughs> well, they're doing that with Instagram. Yeah. I, well, they're trying well, they've to already bought the they're short form TikTok. video, haven't they? So yeah, but they just replicate what TikTok are doing. Yeah. Like if I look at my my kids, so I got two girls, and they 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 are seventeen and thirteen. Hey, they don't use it. Well. Uh, infrequently use Instagram. They are on Snapchat and TikTok. And they're on and Snapchat they use as their messaging app. They yeah. hardly ever use anything else. Hardly ever use anything else. They use Snapchat for messaging. And that's from like, I, I I downloaded it like recently just because because they're that's what they use. But I'm like fuck that I'm using that. I'm using mm. signal and SMS. Uh but they, but my point, they use Snapchat and they use TikTok. TikTok for their social stuff, Snapchat sort of for their social stuff, but for private messaging. But my point is, they ain't using Facebook. They're rarely using Instagram. They ain't using Twitter. They, they are definitely not using Twitter. Twitter is alien to that generation. Yeah. It's alien to them. Alien to them. It was pretty alien to me until recently. I mean, I've been on there for, I've had a count there for years and years and years and years. I started stepping up with it again last year and became... Not stepping up. Started using it a bit more last year, and earlier this year, e- using it even more when I realised through um, Gaz Walsh over at Cineas Guild and and giving the services the, yeah. that crypto company, um, how big the crypto yeah the crypto yeah, you need you need is Twitter, on Twitter. For, yeah holy shit it's yeah, like it's a massive. whole different Twitter it's, mm. it is it's huge isn't it it's yeah, it huge is. huge and I and I like the platform and like I like the way it works but going back to my point the kids ain't using. Twitter or Instagram or I, fucking certainly not LinkedIn. I, I think it's I, certain demographics though. So I, there's a lot of like, there's a lot of young Nigerian people on my page, and they're really into NFTs. And are crypto. they are they princes? Uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> have they got a hundred million to give you? I don't know. I hope yeah. so. <laughs> they're real people. Yeah, they're okay. real people. Yeah, no, no. no. I was yeah. joking. Yeah, but they're. <laughs> yeah, I just think because I'm thinking. Because I put the adverts out there and I think, well, I'll put it out to all these people and I realise that not everyone's using Facebook anymore, you know, especially that certain, I mean, you know, certain ages are. Um, but when it comes to young people, not a lot. But then you, there are a lot in sort of like the Philippines and they're massive NFT users. And so are, you know, people in Nigeria. They love NFTs. Why do you think crypto. that is, though? Why do you think it's I, I think it's about the stability of the banking system, you know, because... I, I don't. It's, it's got to be something to do with that, you know. They're still using Facebook. I don't know why they're not on Twitter or anything else, but it's just it seems to all be Philippines and Nigerians coming through on the Facebook page, and then you go on Twitter, and it's a complete different demographic, you know. And so I'm waiting now. I don't really have anyone on on the uh, Discord channel yet because I only set it. I only finished setting it up yesterday. So have you got anyone on there? I've got about eight people on there, I think. Can I be number nine? Yeah, yeah, go for it. Where's the link? <laughs> Where's the link? Go on, uh, if you go on my um, uh, grapplebeast.com, all Grapple, the links to Grapple, all the socials are on there. So. Do not know. Grapplebeast.com. You'll probably come up now that the website's down or something. <laughs> oh, I love the artwork. Who's doing the artwork for the NFTs? So I, I designed them. Yeah. And then um, I've... I use my um, NFT guy for 
for putting the layers on and stuff like that. Yeah, they're so cool. I, I did the original drawing, and then the layers were done by somebody else. Yeah, they are cool. Right, I'm trying to get in. I mean, that's just a few of them, and there's three thousand. There's uh, Discord. Right, the Discord link isn't taking me to the server. Oh, really? No. It was working yesterday. Oh, it should be. It should be taking me. Oh, it is now. Yeah, got it. Okay, Grapple B Center for you. Accept invite. <laughs> Yeah, so that um, that link was the invite, so you just go on it, yeah. I clicked it twice, and it just took me to my own server. Oh, really? Yeah, it must have been a problem. Not with the website, with my uh, phone. Anyway, so I'm going in now. Cool, Grattle Beast NFT. All right, yeah. Sweet. What were we on about then? That looks awesome, man. Oh, we on about Nigerians and, uh, <coughs> Nigerians and Philippines. Yeah, I wonder why. That's an interesting point about the, the uh, financial stability, but I don't see... Hmm. I know certainly the a lot of people in the Philippines they were sort of playing those uh, the the games on like the Ethereum blockchains where they get payouts and some of them are earning a lot of money from it uh, and yeah. able to pay their mortgages and stuff and you know pay the rent every week so you know so what's the, so you got you so what's the next step for Grapple Beast then what's the next in the, in the plan next is uh, marketing for Twitter and Discord. And I spoke to a guy yesterday, and he's got something like 1.9 million followers, so I'm going to get that guy on board. He wants to get on board and, and do some of the marketing and stuff. So. When are you planning on having your first courses available? Um, I think the dates are actually on the website. It tells you down there. I can't tell you off the top of my head. Sorry. Right. Yeah. Right. But yeah, all, everything you need to know is on the website. So it will tell you when the, the dates for the drops. So when you first mint the nft for about three i think three or four weeks you won't know which one you've got until i reveal it so, uh. so and it will be random as well and there will also be a prize there's two so basically the the belts go up in rarity i think there's about a thousand white belts there are 800 blue belts 600 brown belts uh, and basically goes right up to red where there's only two and they're really rare and there will be a special prize for whoever gets those. And you won't know until... Is yeah. there anyone else doing this kind of thing in the NFT world? Through through grappling MMA brands? I don't think so. UFC or NFT, aren't they? I think. I don't know. Maybe they're not. Maybe they are. I've not seen another grapple one anyway, or Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. Yeah. I know, I mean, eventually we might make a few geese or something, you know, for... We'll see. We're just a bit yeah. fluid at the moment, but the, the education things is what we're focusing on. There's an ex-mill guy up here called Paul Paul Grinnell, uh, Paul, Paul Grinnell, and he um, he's BJJ trains uh, trains at a few. Uh, I can't remember which gym he's at now. Anyway, he's local. I'll fire it over to him. I'll fire. It. He'll he'll be interested in this. Good yeah, guy. So. Good guy. Uh, he's got a podcast as well, actually. Is it really? Yeah, it's called the Primary. Primary physio? The, pri the primary physio? No, not the primary physio. I need to check this now. <laughs> One second. I don't want to do him a disservice here. <clears throat> uh, the physio, 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 physio. Yeah, grappa, grappling with physio. The grappling with physio <laughs> podcast. What a fucking moron. I forgot. I'll look that up. Yeah, he's been on, he's been on, the, he's been on the podcast. <clears throat> I'm going to send you his... Um, I'll send it to you after this. Yeah, I'll send it to him. Interesting. Uh, I like the sound of it, mate. I like the sound of it. I like the see. It's nice to hear about someone doing an NFT thing, right? Doing like get into the, the NFT sphere, 
and uh, but because of its utility not yeah. because oh let's create an nft and i'm going to be make millions off of morons no yeah. so let's create an nft and use it that, that business structure to exploit doesn't work. the technology yeah. for a good reason yeah you know what i mean and this is good because for the relative for the relatively cheap price of an nft whatever the prices are they vary from fucking hundreds of thousands down to like a dollar um you can get something else from it that you wouldn't have to pay for just for, just for being a part of something the to, community to elevate yourself as well mm. and education is as a magical way of doing that to people so you could be anyone you know it don't matter where you grew up as long as you've got access to a computer and online i mean even the poorest places have got that now so as long as you've got access to a computer and online you can do anything yeah you know. uh com. yep okay what have we not covered that you wanted to cover today? Hmm? We covered Grapple Beasts. Happy we covered that. Glad I covered that. TV and film. Glad we covered that. Uh, yeah. Anything else? Not off the top of my head. Um. So, grapplebeasts.com. Uh, for anyone who's who's uh, not heard of Discord either, use Discord. So, there's a HR Discord community. There's a Grapple Beasts. Discord community. I know a lot of people who listen or watch this are Cineas Guild fans. There's a Cineas Guild Discord community. Uh, Discord free app, community building, conversation, network. It's yeah. fucking brilliant. I didn't discover it until, uh, in fact, again, guys, while you mentioned it, getting into that, that he's in the that tech side, really interesting. So go on to grapplebeasts.com. If you go on your phone now, folks, you will see in the top right of the screen, the Twitter link, the Facebook link, the Insta oh, the, the the logos, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and there's another little one which what is that? It's like a it's like, it's like a gamepad, isn't it? The Discord logo is like a little gamepad, yeah, isn't it? With like two I'm eyes. I'm not sure. Oh, it looking like something <laughs> from Super Mario or something. <laughs> but yeah, next to next to the social icons, there's another little one you may not recognise. Hit that, that's Discord, and it'll, it'll say uh, accept invite to uh, Grapple Beasts NFT Discord server and accept the invite, and then go and find the HR one. Sweet. Sweet. Mate, enjoyed it. Yeah, I did. Thank you. Yeah. It was good. It's going because uh, it's cough. Sweet, <laughs> I'm starving. <laughs> That's it. If you enjoyed this episode, why not become a H-Hour patron? H-Hour patrons get exclusive access to premium content. There are private interviews with previous guests and with this guest that nobody will see except for the H-Hour patrons. So before this podcast was recorded, I recorded an exclusive Q&A, a shorter interview structured around eight questions. All the questions were chosen by patrons beforehand and that interview is online now for patrons. That happens every time. Patrons also get access to all of the episodes before anyone else. They get advanced viewing of the episodes and you also get other perks and bonuses all of the information is on charliecharlie1.com just hit the menu item become a patron it'll show you everything there including access to the h-hour discord community and private patron only channels on there so go to charliecharlie1.com and hit the menu item become a patron easy peasy thank you for being a supporter subscribe to the channel and i will catch you on the next episode